Well, g'day there and welcome to the Oak City Church podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today for another encouraging message from our Sunday gatherings of Oak City Church. If we can connect with you in any way, please see us at oakcitychurch.com.au or check out our socials online. We hope to see you in person soon. Just, uh, can I just say, Jess, I heard what you said about perhaps people carrying some, some burdens. Um, we would love to, to create some quiet space at the, the end of the service. Um, if you are carrying a burden of some sort, um, just have someone pray with you and just hand that over to Jesus and experience uh, a, a depth of grace and healing from him. So that's, gonna, that's an open invitation um, at the conclusion of the service. I just wonder if you would pray with me for a sec. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Help us to seek your face this morning. We ask that you would give us eyes to see you and ears to hear you and a humble heart to receive the the seed of life that you want to plant in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. And which button do I press? The right-hand one? Right, okay. This is Eric Little. Uh, I would love to tell you his life story, but we don't have time for that. Um, In January this year, uh, Eric Little was inducted into the Scottish Rugby Hall of Fame on the 100th anniversary of his first international, which was Scotland versus France. Uh, He was also an extraordinary athlete. He was an Olympic gold medalist and world record holder. And in 2002, Eric Little was among the first inductees into the Scottish Sports Hall of Fame. In fact, that year he was at the top of a poll that voted for the most popular sports hero that Scotland had ever produced. Personally, Eric Little is at the top of my list of modern-day heroes of the faith. In 1925, at the age of just 23, he turned his back on elite sport and he went to China to serve as a missionary for the rest of his life. Perhaps The thing that Eric Little is best known for is his refusal to run in the 100 metres race at the 1924 Olympic Games because the heats of that race were going to be held on a Sunday. It was a day that he believed should be kept for the Lord and he flatly refused to run. It was his best race, a gold medal chance, and he refused. 
He was uh, entered into the 400 metres instead and he won the gold medal. <laughs> Amazing. What a legacy to be willing to sacrifice personal glory and fame and popularity in order to glorify and serve God. That is an amazing legacy. Uh, uh, now I can't look into Eric Little's mind and, and see exactly what it was that he thought about Sunday and Sabbath, whether it was just a rule that you had to keep or whether there was something more to it than that. Um, I, look, when I was, uh, even in the early years of high school, Nobody played sport on Sunday in Australia. It was just not done. There's no shopping either, by the way. It wasn't done. It was probably a legacy of 1,500 years of Christian influence in the English-speaking world that said that Sunday was a day of rest. It was a, in a sense, it was the Christian Sabbath. But all sport, whether it was junior sport, local sport, district sport, interstate sport, or international sport, Saturday, that was the sports day. 1967, I think I was probably in the equivalent of year 10, 1967 was the first time that professional sport was played on a Sunday in Australia. It was a rugby league. And uh, five matches on a Saturday, <laughs> The match of the day on a Sunday. Cricket soon followed suit. Up to that point, cricket had held Sunday as a rest day. Hear those words, a rest day. Match started on Thursday, played Thursday, Friday, Saturday, rest day Sunday, finished Monday, Tuesday. And then they dropped the rest day and played through. I remember Sometime in that period of time, we were at church on a Sunday morning and some of my peers were talking about after church going into the Sydney cricket ground to watch the afternoons play in a test cricket match. And I went and said to my mum, what would you think if I went with them to the Sydney cricket ground to watch the cricket? <laughs> Now, I say this not, not to stand in judgment on my mum, but the response was quite terse. You just don't do that on a Sunday. I was a little puzzled because I knew that we were going to go home from church and it was only, our home was only half a block away from church. We were going to turn on the television and we were going to watch World Championship Wrestling. Yes, I was a wrestling tragic. <laughs> and then later in the afternoon, around four o'clock, we were going to turn on the ABC and watch the last two hours of that cricket test match. You couldn't go to the Sydney cricket ground to watch it, but you could sit at home and watch it on TV. It's a bit of a puzzle for me. But that's the kind of puzzle you get when you turn, for example, keeping a Sabbath into a rule to be obeyed. No questions asked. You get all of these disputes about exactly what you can and can't do. So in the, the reading that uh, we had, 
here that the disciples, they were hungry and they just reached over the boundary line of somebody's yard. And you could do that, by the way. That was quite, quite okay to do it because the grain was left there for hungry people. They just leaned over, grabbed some heads of the, the, the wheat and they kind of rubbed the husk off and they, they ate the seeds. And, and, and the, the uh, religious leaders had a hissy fit, right? <laughs> hey, you, you just can't do that. This is the Sabbath day. You, that is work. You can't do it. And if you, we read over into the next chapter, it was about healing. You can't get healed on the Sabbath day. There are six days to get healed. If you want to get healed, come back tomorrow. And you don't just get these arguments about what's right and wrong. You also get into judging one another. Well, I don't do that on the Sabbath day. So obviously I am more spiritual than you are. <laughs> or I feel totally free to do these things on the Sabbath day. You are just a legalist. In fact, at the end of that second incident about the healing on the Sabbath day, it says that the, the religious leaders were so incensed that they went out and they began to plot how to kill Jesus. Okay? Because they, no, it's not okay. But you hear what we're saying here. It, 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 they were so incensed that somebody might break that rule that they wanted to put him to death. Now, honestly, I do not know what I would do if I was in Eric Riddle's position. Um, as I said, I can't look into his head and see whether he just thought it was a rule to be obeyed or whether it was something more. But Jesus certainly believed it was something more. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So it seems to me that in Jesus' mind, the Sabbath was a gift that God had given to human beings in order to enable us to experience a, a fullness of life and freedom. It was not a burden to be carried that would enslave us. There's a, an old rabbinic saying, and it just shows that not all of the, the Jewish rabbis were as bad as the ones that we encounter in the gospel stories. It says this, the Sabbath, is the most precious present mankind has received from the treasure house of God. It's a gift. And I want to explore with you just what that gift may entail. First of all, there's the gift of rest. Now, yeah, I actually took that photo myself. So. It just, it just spoke to me when I saw that, that scene. The gift of rest. Okay, the, the actual meaning of the word Sabbath, when we, we refer to it as a day, but the actual meaning of the word Sabbath is simply to stop, to cease, to rest. So Sabbath is a time that we set apart in some way to stop from what we normally do. Now this is from the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And keeping it holy simply means to set it apart 
It's a different kind of day to the rest of the week. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Now, the preamble to the Ten Commandments reminds the Israelites that they had been slaves in Egypt and that God had set them free. Now, I don't know how long they've been slaves. They've been in Egypt for 400 years, but not all of that time were, were as slaves. But let's say a century or more. Right? For all of that time, none of them had had a day off. They worked seven days a week, 52 weeks in the year. That's if they had 52 weeks in a year in those days. But non-stop, incessantly, they were tools in Pharaoh's production line. Right? It was all about productivity, building storehouses to, to house the accumulated produce of Egypt. And when Pharaoh thought that they were slowing down in order to listen to Moses, he demanded that they work harder and produce more. Now, does it sound familiar being caught up in an endless cycle of productivity? Because there's a lot of that going on in the world around us today. It's all about productivity, producing something. And the idea of taking a day in which we don't have to produce anything is as alien to us as it was to the ancient Israelites. In fact, God, later in the book of Exodus, God specifically said to the people that you are to observe the Sabbath even during times of ploughing and harvesting. Right? It was going to be tempting for the people to say, look, we can't stop, there are just too many tasks to be done. And God says, the tasks can wait. Just take a break. Then the fourth commandment goes on. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested <coughs> on the seventh day. <coughs> Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So God was the one who set the rhythm of work and rest way back at creation. Now I've got news for you. God did not rest because he was tired. In fact, Isaiah says in Isaiah 40 that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow tired or weary. <coughs> God didn't rest because he needed rest. God rested in order to set the pattern for us because we need rest. We do not have the inexhaustible energy of God. We do get tired and weary. And we are the ones who need to rest. Because if we don't rest, some ordinary or horrible sorts of things happen to our bodies. Insomnia, headaches, tension, depression, unhealthy eating habits, muddled thinking, broken relationships. 
if we enter into a, a proper rhythm of work, rest and play, it actually enhances our creativity, improves our productivity, and that's the ironic thing about continually working. It actually decreases productivity. But, but the proper rhythm that increases productivity and it, it sharpens our decision making. I, uh, I once heard Jess's dad, John, speaking at a conference and, and he used a, an expression that has stayed with me ever since. <clears throat> and it was to stop well in order to go well. <laughs> stop well in order to go well. And that's what Sabbath is. It's an invitation to us to stop well in order to go well. One of the problems that we have is that we often confuse Sabbath with taking a day off work. And when we take a day off work, we want to fill that day up <coughs> with all of the chores and errands that we have put off in the rest of the week because we've been too busy to do them. And we fill that day with different kinds of productivity-related activities, energy-sapping activities, and we go back to work on Monday even more tired than we were when we came home on Friday. Sabbath is God's way of saying, stop, notice your limits, don't burn out. One of the purposes of Sabbath is to give us the opportunity to rest, to refresh and to renew our physical bodies and our physical energy. Also embedded in Sabbath is the gift of delight. Now, in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, when God finished his work of creation, it says God saw all that he had made and it was very good. So when God stopped his creative work, he actually took time to delight in, in what he had made. So can I suggest to you that Sabbath is an opportunity for us to delight, not in what we have created, but in what God has created. Psalm 92 is headed up by the, the writer, a song for the Sabbath day. And it starts off this way, it is good to praise the Lord and to make music to your name, O Most High. And hear this, for you may be glad by your deeds. That's delight. You made me glad by your deeds. Lord, I sing for joy. Right? That's delight. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. Eugene Peterson has written that Sabbath is that uncluttered time and space in which we distance ourselves from our own activities enough to see what God is doing. It's an opportunity for us to delight in God, in the good gifts that he has given to us, and in the good things he has done for us. And it starts with just delighting in, in the world that God has created, the world that God has given to us. So take time to smell the flowers, to savour the food, not just eat it, 
to savour the food, to sit and watch the rain falling. Okay, you might be a little sick of sitting and watching the rain <laughs> falling, but sit and watch the rain fall. Watch the sunrise or the sunset and marvel at the colours. Go for a walk in the bush and, and just find delight in the immense variety of, of plants and the colours that you see around you. Uh, skip for joy with the birds as they flip by. Go for a walk along the beach and watch the, the waves rolling from the shore or the waves crashing over the rock shelf. And as you do those sorts of things, allow your spirit to be lifted Godward in worship of the grandeur, the bigness, the largeness of God and his creative genius. And there's also the opportunity then for us to delight in what God has done for us. This is a reiteration of the, the Sabbath command. It's found in the book of Deuteronomy. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that God, God brought you out of there with a mighty hand, that should be mighty, not might, with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. At least part of what the Sabbath was about was taking time out to remember the incredible act of redemption that God had, had done on the part of the Israelites. Now, of course, there was an annual celebration for them to do that, the Passover. But it was to be a weekly rhythm of taking time out specifically to ponder what God had done for them. Now, as a Christian, I can choose to take time out to reflect on the depth of grace that God has poured out on us in Jesus Christ. I mean, wouldn't it? Just that song that we, we had, how deep the Father's love for us. Take the words of that song and sit with it in front of you for half an hour, for an hour. Just reflect on it. I mean, there's just such depth in those words that point us to, to the depth of love and grace that God has for us. But what space am I making to give myself time to reflect deeply on God, on what he has done, on what he has given. So apart from renewing and refreshing my body, Sabbath is a gift that enables me to renew and refresh my soul in the presence of God. Thirdly, in Sabbath there is embedded the gift of trust. Now I want to take you back to something that happened just after the Exodus. Uh, the people of Israel <coughs> had crossed the sea and they were uh, making their way through the desert towards Mount Sinai. And they started to say to God, they were a bit hungry. We don't have any bread to eat. And so God said to them, okay, every morning I am going to provide something for you. And every morning when they woke up, there was something that was on the ground, whatever it was, that they called manna. Right? And the word manna simply means what is it? Like they were eating what is it? <laughs> For the 40 years they were in the desert. But what is it? Okay. And God said, every morning I want you to go out and collect just enough for the day. 
And here's the thing, people who were a little bit greedy and thought, well, it might not come tomorrow, so I'm gonna collect a bit extra and store it up in the house. When they woke up the next morning and it was maggoty and rotten. So they had to go out again to collect the day's supply. But in that space, God said to them, now on the seventh day, the Sabbath day, I am not going to send any manna. There'll be nothing to collect. Well, okay, so how do I survive on the Sabbath day? Well, God said, I'm going to provide enough for you on the sixth day, double supply on the sixth day, that you can store in your homes and it won't go bad the next morning. So resting on the Sabbath was actually a sign that they trusted God to take care of them. When you go over into the book of Leviticus, you discover that the Sabbath, or the rhythm of Sabbath, was not just a weekly thing. There was also a Sabbath year. Every seventh year was a Sabbath year. And on that Sabbath year, they were to, to do nothing, no work, right? They were, there was no planting. No ploughing, no harvesting, no gathering. The land needed the rest. That's good horticulture, right? The land needed the rest. But the people needed the rest. Okay, well, if we're not allowed to plant any crops in the seventh year, how are we going to survive? Well, God said, I will send you such a blessing in the sixth year that the land will yield enough for three years. You take me seriously and take a break on the seventh year and I am going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you. You'll be still eating what I supply in the sixth year, in the eighth year. So Sabbath, again, is an opportunity that fosters our trust in God. Um, basically, it reminds me that the world's not going to fall apart if I stop my ceaseless activity. That, that was one of my big takeaways in 2020 in the first Sydney lockdown after COVID hit. That after two or three months of doing nothing at home, the world still turned. I still had food on my plate and I still had toilet paper in my bathroom despite the best efforts of some people to monopolise the commodity. God took care of us. So Sabbath is an opportunity for me to recognise that, that the world is in God's hands. But I relinquish my need to be in control and recognise that God is the one who holds the world in his hands. I relinquish my need to take care of myself and I recognise my utter dependence on God for all things. At Oak City, we, uh, we have tried to establish a rhythm of Sabbath. And part of that is a weekly rhythm and, and we, yes, it's not a law, Right? We encourage you to take on Sabbath as, as a weekly rhythm. And how you do that, and where and when you do that, that's between you and God. We have also built into our, our church life 
a, uh, a seven-week Sabbath rhythm. So every seventh Sunday, we have a Sabbath Sunday. Now that can be tweaked a little bit depending on when long weekends are held. But every seventh Sunday, there's no, and that's next Sunday, as Charlie said, it's next Sunday is a Sabbath Sunday. There's going to be no gathering here. So if you come here, you're not going to find us. It's our Sabbath Sunday. Now, it can be very tempting for us to say, oh, well, that's a Sunday off church. I can catch up on some things. Or, you know, I can spend the day being busy. Or you can receive it as a gift from God. A gift to sit in his presence with the people around you to refresh your body, to renew your spirit, to be present to God, to his world, and to the people around you, especially your family. Isaiah says, if you watch your step on the Sabbath, don't use my holy day for personal advantage. If you treat the Sabbath as a day of joy, God's holy day as a celebration, if you honour it by refusing business as usual, making money, running here and there, then you'll be free to enjoy God. Oh, I will make you ride high and soar above it all. I'll make you feast on the inheritance of your ancestor Jacob. Yes, God says so. I'm going to actually hand out a sheet. Can I, can I get you, Charlie, to... There may be enough to go around everybody. If there's, a not, if there's not, maybe um, couples would like just to take a, one sheet between the two. There's some questions for reflection. Um, and I'm just going to run through them quickly and then leave you to go off on your own during the week and do some reflection about it. What difficulties or compulsions make it hard for me to stop? In other words, what's going on inside you? What are the drivers that make it so hard for you just to stop and take time out? And uh, how might I surrender these to God? When and how might we plan our Sabbath? Because Sabbath is not going to happen without some planning. It's not just going to unfold when you wake up next Sunday morning. Take some time to plan. What might we choose to stop or drop for a Sabbath? There are a list of potential things there. What would make Sabbath nourishing and replenishing for us? What activities can you choose that would help refresh you and renew you both in body and soul? And how can we structure the rest of the week to make Sabbath truly a Sabbath? Okay? Some of those chores that you might be tempted to do next Sunday, can we do them during the week? Mowing the lawn, doing the laundry, doing the shopping, those sorts of things. So you actually free up a day to spend with each other and with God. And those of you who have family, remember it's family, it's got to be family friendly, okay? Family friendly. Um, but you might like to take time during the week to reflect on some of those questions. And then there's a prayer there that you may like to use as a lead-in uh, to enjoying a Sabbath with God. Let me pray for you.
And just remind you too, as I said before, if there's some burden that you're carrying or something that you would like prayer with, let's just you know, make our way to a quiet part of the room and uh, someone will be available to pray with you. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, you care enough about us to make provision for our humanity and for our human frailty. Help us, yes, to rest, but more importantly, to rest in you and to receive from you the good gifts 